0: Dan Hogenkamp about team culture and what it's like to be a small organization that drives innovation within a larger company. Catherine Hutchison and Dan Hogankamp. welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thanks for having us, John.
0: Yeah, it is a pleasure to be with you today. I'm super excited to have a nice conversation. Uh, Catherine, you're joining us from the Austin, Texas area. Dan, you're joining us from Philadelphia. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah, so we have a bit of a cross-country flavor to our conversation today. Uh, We're going to be talking about team culture generally, but also specifically in this kind of unique context that you find yourselves in right now, and that is what is it like to build a small organization that drives innovation within a larger company. So you're, it's kind of this tension of cultures uh, as you have different units within a, a larger uh, umbrella organization. And I think as we were talking in the pre-interview, you know, I think many of us have, have experienced this and felt this tension and this struggle in the past. And frankly, I think most organizations struggle with with having a healthy positive team culture anyways. Um, and then when you have this kind of a dynamic, it makes it even more challenging. So we're going to unpack that, talk about your experience and what you have done to try to, uh, to navigate it and to really uh, promote a really healthy, positive, dynamic team culture to drive innovation uh, within your team. As we get started, I wanted to share Catherine and Dan's bios with everybody. Catherine Hutchison is the senior director of Threadsy.com, one of the nation's leading online retailers for blank apparel. She joined Threadsy in 2021, leading the launch of the business and delivering significant growth during the company's first year. Prior to Threadsy, she held multiple leadership roles in marketing and e commerce at, re- at Retail Me Not and Whole Foods Market. Dan Camp is VP of e-commerce at Alpha Broder, one of the nation's largest distributors of imprintable blank apparel and hard goods. He provides executive leadership for Threadsy.com, a leading retailer of blank apparel online. He has been at Alpha Broder since 2019 and has served in a variety of leadership roles, spanning finance, strategy, and now e-commerce prior to joining Alpha Broder Hogan Camp spent 13 plus years in consulting. You both have tremendous backgrounds and expertise. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedules to join me and to share your insights with me and my listeners. Before we launch on into the conversation, is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners about just your own personal backgrounds, your own personal career trajectory and story? Um, And then we can launch on into the conversation for today.
2: Nothing for me, just besides thanks for the time and for being here. It's exciting to be part of the conversation with you and to uh, meet your listeners as well.
0: You are not overly verbose, and that is totally fine. Well, uh, it's coming,
1: John. Is coming. It's
2: it's, it's coming. Saving. So
0: sometimes I ask that opening question, <laughs> and and people you know want to to share you know everything, and um, I, I like I like getting straight to the topic at hand. So that's that's wonderful. So let's first uh, just tell us a little. I already uh, you know alluded to threadsy and and Alpha Broder a little bit um, in your bios, but if you want to just take a minute and explain a little bit more about what you're doing there, um, and then we can launch on into the broader topic for today.
2: Yeah, so Threadsy was founded in Austin, Texas in 2021, and our mission is to help people who need to buy blank clothing for their businesses or for events or maybe projects they're doing at home, but they're not a great fit for the traditional wholesale buying model, or rather that wholesale buying model isn't a good fit for them. Um, so we help small businesses, makers, home crafters get wholesale apparel in like big quantities at affordable prices without that friction and overhead that's part of a traditional wholesale buying model. Um, so to shop Threadsy.com, folks, just shop online from our catalog of 70,000 plus products. They get wholesale pricing, they can check out with their credit card, and we deliver the clothes to them like either the next day or you know usually two days. So there's no order minimums, no long sales cycles. And we really um, came about because our parent company, Alpha Broder, saw that there was this big unmet need. Um, otherwise, people were maybe buying from a big box store or a big online marketplace and paying much, much more than they needed to. Um, for these clothes and the supplies for their businesses. And also, you know, frankly, uh, I know this as a a parent or as a crafter, it's kind of a struggle if you're shopping at a big box store to get the quantities of clothes that you might need for like a family reunion or for for a business case. And so Threadsy came about really to meet that need. And um, our org structure, we're we're a small business within a great big business, Alpha Broder, our parent company that that Dan's part of, um, and I'm part of too. But We really work as our own business unit. We have our own brand and our own culture uh, because we feel like that really helps us best meet the needs of that very specific customer.
0: Yeah, excellent. And I don't know, Dan, if there's anything you want to add just by way of kind of overview introduction.
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, Catherine covered it well. I mean, the primary piece here is, and, and the reason we're so excited about Threadsy is it really came about as a reaction of looking at the market, seeing a group of customers that were underserved, yeah. And saying, we've got a w- lot of ways to address this. We've got a wide assortment. We've got a lot of inventory. Uh, Alphabruder has really significant kind of logistical prowess in terms of getting goods places. And it's like, well, this would be a huge benefit to that kind of customer. who again, as Catherine said, is kind of, they've moved past retail, right? It's not a great solution for them to go into their local craft store and buy 12, 12 shirts or 15 shirts. But they're not quite at that level where they're buying, you know, by the carton. Or, or by the case, which is kind of more of that distributor model. And so I, for me, it's one of the things I think I'm most proud about Threadsy, and we'll get into more of it, I think, is that, you know, it really did come about seeing the need that our customers had and saying, how can we kind of bring our capabilities as a large organization to bear to really address that? And, and it's going really well. And uh, yeah, looking, looking forward to talking about it more with you for sure.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. That's great context. So now let's really dive on into what it looks like. And what it feels like to be essentially a startup within a much larger parent company.
1: Yeah, so I guess there's a there's a, a couple of things. Kathleen can probably handle the, the what it feels like uh, <laughs> a little better than I can. Possibly, I mean, for us, there were a couple of things that were really important. And again, with a large company that's very well established, I mean, obviously, a lot of kind of rigor has been put into developing processes. And we're a logistics company, uh, Alpha Broder at, at heart and a fulfillment services company. And so, you know, there's very well-defined processes and these things have to work all of the time. And right, and so it's not an environment where uh, you want to be doing things that could be potentially disruptive um, because you have this large customer base that relies on this kind of clock is always ticking, you know, the machine is always running kind of, kind of paradigm. With Threadseed, though, it's a, it's a little different. And we wanted to kind of give the team space to innovate, space to trial, space to, um, you know, try things that may or may not work the, the first time. And so what was interesting for us, I think, was you take that, that need to innovate, that need to be agile, and you put it in the context of a, of a company who really needs to be rock solid all of the time. And you, you kind of have this, this potential for um, for challenges. And so one of the ways that we addressed that was to really structure Threadsy as its own business unit. And that's, you know, it's it's got a complete reporting structure that rolls up to Catherine. You know, there aren't any kind of slasher dotted lines where we have folks that are Kind of living in multiple worlds within the org right these are threadsy folks as much as they're apple Broder folks but their day job is you know all threadsy all the time and they report up to Catherine. and i think that was important we also made some really key decisions around proximity right and threadsy has its own office in austin and that's um there's some challenges with that that i think we'll talk about in terms of broader connectedness and, and all those kind of things but the benefit of it is you really create an environment where um the folks that are on the ground there at threadz Z uh, do have in many ways, this kind of real startup vibe, startup uh, experience with the benefit of your startup with, you know, all the resources of, of what is a very large company kind of behind it. So um, Catherine, I'm curious on your thoughts on that, but that's kind of how we did just from a setup structurally. How do we answer the question of maintain all the things that make us a good fit to address the space? but leave room for the kind of culture of innovation that we needed to have with Bredsen. In
2: 2021, it was interesting because I actually, uh, um, you know, I want to say auditioned because my background is in music and it felt a little bit like an audition, but doing the interview process, getting to know the executive team at Alpha Broder, this is actually the third pretty large organization where I've been in a leadership position or led like a business unit that's doing something that's disruptive or doing something that's that's innovative within the larger structure. And so I had a lot of conversations and have learned a lot over the years about what can make that either one of the most amazing corporate structures to work within, or can make it really challenging and can actually, um, if you don't do it well, you can really stifle the growth um, of a startup and lose a lot of the the benefits that the company's wanting. So in that interview process, you know, before the company launched and before, you know, we even really had solidified the full go-to-market strategy, we're having a lot of conversations with Alpha Rotor's leadership and getting so excited um, about their vision for the, the structure that Dan mentioned and feeling like, okay, this is, this is really somewhere where this business can grow and be successful and not only meet the needs of our customers. We're incredibly passionate about that. But you know, I really see a core um, mission for us inside Alpha Brother and inside the company is we can be a sandbox and a place to test and iterate, find new technologies, find new ways of doing things that then we could consider that maybe in service of the larger company, right? We can try things and fail fast or find quick wins that then could roll out to the broader company or, you know, provide a learning to the larger company. And I think that's, you know, sometimes uh, everyone says that at a big company, oh, we, re- we really want innovation. And I think with this structure, it gives a lot of freedom for the team to innovate, and to try new things that may or may not work um, in a way that's safe for the larger organization, but also can help us deliver value very, very quickly beyond just the, the P&L for the individual business that we're on.
0: Yeah, and that sandbox component I, that that is so important. It's one of the great things. The energy and the yeah. vibe just in a in a new startup um, organization that often, despite whatever your best intention is, as you scale and grow and there's just more bureaucracy and structure and scaffolding around everything which is helpful for a larger organization it also yeah. inevitably makes it harder to to have the flexibility to just be creative and innovate and like you said fall forward fail fast just try new things right that can that may or may not work and and ultimately, that's how we learn and grow and we innovate and, and provide greater value to the marketplace. And so I love that in this context, you have all of the support structures behind the larger corporation, yet the vibe and the, the permission structure you know mm-hmm. to, to, to just try things in this smaller startup uh, team, I think that's, that's really awesome.
2: Uh, it's been really fun. I'd say the other piece... Kind of reflecting that the luxury that we've had in this structure is focus. Um, It's pretty amazing to be within, you know, a a multi-billion dollar, your parent company and have the permission and actually being urged to focus really deeply on the success of this part of the business um it just I feel really lucky and in other larger organizations you know you'll get asked to do oh can you innovate as like maybe 20 percent or as a side job and we all know it's just so hard to prioritize and to actually really make meaningful progress if you're spread too thin and one of the great things about um this structure and and really getting to spend all of my focus and energy um on this business has it's it's been a really I think a a key to the success of the business in the first year.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. And I think like there, it's a fantastic structure if if done well. I mean, there are a number of challenges that mm-hmm. that come along, and and you know, I think the first is, I really wouldn't want to be doing this um, with a poor leader <laughs> at at the helm, and and for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think Catherine, in, in a lot of ways. Was a was a, the perfect fit for this because she has in her own career straddled startup startups that are you know constantly looking you know, fundraising and 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 doing that with working at very large companies and so I think when you think about leadership in this in this context it gets even more important because you have to be able to straddle both worlds right you have to be someone that is agile enough and is capable enough to um, recruit and develop and retain really high energy i, I mean folks that work at startups are, are different than folks that have been at the same job for i mean it's just a different dynamic they're, they're a different uh they're wired up a little different they've got a different motor they've got a different kind of eye for disruption and and view towards established processes and all of those kind of things right and all that's super super useful and and super great in terms of harnessing and moving the business forward but you have to have that person that can kind of grow and cultivate that while at the same time be perfectly at home in front of a board, right? Or an executive team. And that can manage uh, high growth, high change environments with uh, a context that's more used to things that are more predictable. And so I think it becomes a super important piece like for anyone that's looking at doing this or thinking about doing this, it, you really can't under underestimate the need to have a, a leader at the helm that can Straddle both worlds and do both things. Cause otherwise you end up with someone who reads great on the on the parent company side and great in the in the executive sessions, but their team is frustrated and stifled and, and can't, right? Or you get that person who creates this incredible environment kind of at the at the the startup component and then just frustrates every the living daylights out of everybody in the in the executive room because they just have they can't ground. They can't, you know, and so I think it's one of the things that's made us successful. And I think one of the key, there's a, a number of others, but I think that, you know, it, it starts there with being able to manage both sides of that. Cause you do have very conflicting um, kind of, kind of context. Now we're very fortunate in our case, because I mean, our executive team at Alpha Broder is, is great and, you know, and has some entrepreneurial background themselves. And so, you know, just a really great team. We're very fortunate there, but um, man, I wouldn't want to be trying to do this in a situation where we had someone Uh, in Katherine's spot that wasn't able to kind of work in both those worlds. It's it's been a critical piece for us.
2: First of all, I appreciate you saying that, Dan. I I do want to acknowledge, I think AlphaBetter took a pretty big risk hiring externally for this role. Um, My background is, I've done grocery, I've done healthcare, you know, I have a pretty diverse background, but Wholesale apparel was a totally new category for me. And luckily I love it. But you know, I, I do recognize, I think it's a big risk that um, Alfred Butter took to bring in leadership externally um, in, in what's a pretty tight, close-knit industry. Um, and so that's something I don't I don't ever take lightly or take for granted. Um, I think it works really well because the company supports me with leadership like Dan, um, with, with access to other leaders in the company to help me get up to speed quickly on the subject matter expertise. Um, another thing that serve, served us really, really well is a relentless focus on who this customer is. Yep. And and AlphaBroder uh, their acceptance that the Threadsy customer is different than who they were serving today um, has, has been... Um, pretty key in getting buy-in, getting acceptance on certain risk. Oh, we're going to change this process. We need to have a different technology solution. uh, And and really knowing what the needs are of our customer um, and being able to articulate those to leadership um, has has been a big part of that. But, you know, I I do recognize, I think it's risky if, if you're thinking about innovation in your own company, acknowledging like, oh, that might mean that you bring leadership in from a totally different industry that may not see things the same way or, or get things on the first try. Uh, but it's, it's paid off for us so far. And I'm really grateful, you know, that, that it's worked out that way and to have the opportunity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can't understate the importance of having the right people in these positions, especially yeah. in this kind of a dynamic, uh, especially important. Uh, I, I, I was hoping we could also just drill down a little bit more specifically into what you do to foster and really maintain this agility culture. Um, because, you know, big organizations exist to self-perpetuate, right? they That's the whole kind of point of the modern uh, corporation and, and organization is to, to make sure that they uh, continue. And so with that then comes this kind of uh, bias towards the status quo, which is you know, a, again, attention with this idea of innovation. And so on the one hand, we're trying to provide structure scaffolding, we're trying to provide resources, um, but there's just just the nature of how larger organizations work. And on the other hand, we have this more agile team and unit, um, but the, the larger organization still, you know, has policies, practices, and procedures that they're trying to hold consistent across, you know, the organization for a variety of reasons. Um, So how how have you been juggling all of that in terms of, again, trying to, to establish and maintain a really healthy, agile, innovative culture within your smaller team? Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy
1: parent company side it's really about and we were fortunate in this case that this business is the same product we're utilizing the same logistical pathways and things but it's a different enough market it's a different enough kind of um path to market and the way that we market to these customers it's different enough from the parent where it's really a given that um we're not going to do things the same way at ThredZ that we would do it at Alpha Broder, right? And so that helps. Like if it was closer and it was more like, well, you could take our techniques and apply them, that could be something that could stifle that. But really, I think there's a recognition that like, this is a different way that we need to, to tackle that. And so having that recognition, I think, gives a lot of space right from jump to the ThredZ team to kind of really go um, about it the way that they can see is going to be most effective. I think the other piece is, like, we have a lot of accountability in our organization, um, you know, and, and the, accountab- the accountability is around how are we doing relative to plan. And once you get under that, it's like, well, we want to do this, we want to do that, no, no problem, right? And, and it's, it's, I think, a really effective way to not be trying to micromanage the activities of ThreadZ from the parent company, but saying, like, here's the plan. Here's where we're trying to get to, and and there's a lot of accountability around that. And Catherine and I talk about the plan on an almost daily basis. Like we, you know, and so there's that, and that's the piece of accountability I think that we managed to, as an organization, ThreadZee, really demonstrate that we care about, that we're pushing towards, that we're focused on. And once you demonstrate that, it's like, okay, cool, guys, then go do, go do what you want to do, and let us know, you know, how we can support. And so for me, I think from a structural standpoint, those are two kind of good 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 tips there and the first is that you um well the big one mainly i think is like make accountability the right thing that doesn't restrict the activities underneath you know what i mean like make it as high level as you can and build a culture where there's enough trust on both sides of that equation to say we know you care about the things we care about We know you're driving towards the things that we want to drive towards now now go do it however you want really um catherine i don't know i think that's that's my perspective
2: I agree with that. I think for uh, how that looks in terms of day-to-day when we're running the business um, as a leader, you have to listen and pay attention to what matters to your parent company. So like what are the KPIs that are most important for us? uh, Top line revenue is king. And then we also have some kind of secondary um, important to hit figures as part of our five and long-term plans that we talk about daily, not just me, not just me and Dan, but everyone at every level of our small team is familiar with what the business KPRs are that matter, that we need to hit. And um, we're pretty focused on making sure people understand how their contributions matter to hitting that plan. And once there's a really clear understanding of what success means to the parent company, what success means then to our team, people make great decisions, we've hired great talent. And so as long as there's a clear understanding and agreement about what we're trying to accomplish, which sometimes is the hardest thing to wrangle, um, as long as there's there's clear um, agreement there and consensus, the main job then is to kind of back away and let all of the very smart and capable people on the team do their jobs at a very high level. And that's how you achieve the plan in in my view. Operationally, there are a couple of things, too, you know, that uh, we're, we're a little bit more rigorous and structured in our weekly reporting, our daily reporting processes, being very willing to be transparent and to answer questions with no ego or defensiveness um, that matters in a startup. But like at some point in a startup, you're like, well, I'm the founder and this is how this is going to go. And that's a really important part of being being a startup startup that dynamic doesn't translate as well to corporate cultures. And so uh, for me, it's like being willing to embrace the parts of a startup that are, are uh, really beneficial and help us grow very quickly. And then also managing, um, managing that though in a way that is comfortable and safe for corporate leaders just gives, it gets you so much more space than to go and be successful and deliver the value back that they're looking for. Then trying to just bring that straight startup mentality it, you know, round peg, square hole Uh, that that just has never worked at any organization I've been part of, but kind of understanding, listening to what success means and then translating that to your team. So they have what they need to work. That's the key.
0: I love it. I love it. Go ahead, Dan.
1: No, I was just going to say, John, I know, I mean, and when it comes to specific challenges, right? I mean, I think the the biggest one for us, and, and this will pertain to anybody that finds himself in this situation especially when you've done all the things that we've described in terms of structuring this unit to really function on its own is how you maintain um, a level of connectedness between the kind of startup entity and, and the parent. And, you know, it's super important for a lot of reasons. Like one of which is just building rapport because you're not dealing like, like Threadsy when they're dealing with logistics and, product assortment and all that they're not dealing with vendors right they're dealing with this kind of co-stakeholder this partner uh in the parent company and so the first piece is like how do you build rapport and how do you make all those connections with folks that if they were a vendor of yours you might try and employ some leverage or what? but it's not going to work in the context of these are people that you're going to work with you know for for a long time and and you want to you want them to be on your side and, and all that kind of stuff and so you know i think when I think about our challenges with the structure, that's actually, I think, one of the hardest ones. And we're still working on ways to solve it. Um, how do we kind of overcome that proximity? Do you do it with site visits? Do you make sure that, like for instance, we had the Threadsy team at some kind of larger Alpha Broder events over the past year and just bring them in so they can be at the dinners and interacting with our customers and all those kind of things, I think, uh, remains for me one of one of the most important things that we have our eye on. And the other piece is, what Threadsy is doing is, is cultivating a talent pool that is different than what we have at Broader. And, and we want that to be not just a benefit to Threadsy, but we want it to be a benefit to the broader organization. And so how do you find ways to maintain the laser focus that's needed for Threadsy to execute at this stage of their life cycle, uh, this stage of their development, while at the same time providing those opportunities and saying, you know what, we're a big company. Like there's lots of opportunities for talented people How do we make those connections and and keep the thing moving? So for me, you know, that, that, I, Catherine, I'm curious in your perspective on that, but to me, that's kind of one of our ongoing, you know, that we're constantly working on that we care a lot about. Um, And it's one that, you know, we're doing the best we can with. I think it's one of those pieces that we're still working on solving. If I'm being completely honest.
2: I think there's one of the things it takes time just being honest and acknowledging, I think the connection between a small business unit where in our case at Threadsy, everyone on the team has worked on the team for, you know, 18 months or less. So I think that's normal. That's it's uh, any people. It takes time to find the connection with the larger company to build the connective tissue uh, across cross-functional groups that maybe only work together occasionally. So that's been, uh, we've put in really concerted effort to, to provide the opportunity like Petri dish for those connections, but not force it for the team, um, And I think that's something that uh, also meeting plan, hitting success, understanding again, what's motivating for not only the parent company leadership, but day-to-day stakeholders in that larger organization and making sure that you can clearly articulate how your business unit success is in service of their success is a really important, you know, just, just part of that along with showing up and, and being a good coworker that's, you know, that there's not like a magic bullet there. You just need to put in the time and the effort to make the connection, um, in my opinion.
0: Catherine and Dan, it has just been a real pleasure talking with each of you today. I note the time I have to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
2: Sure. So you can connect with Dan or with me on LinkedIn. I know our profiles will be in the show notes. I hope you'll check out Threadsy.com if you or your business are in the market for blank apparel and accessories, or maybe you just really need uh, some project, project materials for your upcoming embroidery crafting like I do. Uh, again, it's Threadsy.com. And uh, again, thanks again for having us on the show today. Uh, don't ever take for granted the uh, Privilege and the luxury of being innovative in a startup with all the resources and support of a large organization and leaders like Dan. Anything to add, Dan?
1: No, I think you said it well. I mean, the only piece of advice that I would give is for companies that are thinking about doing something like this or or see the need to innovate or, or be disruptive or, have, you know, do it, right. I mean, do it. And I think the, some of the things we've talked about are there might be ways to do it that are better and more effective than others in terms of how you structure it, and how you think about it, the things that you have to be deliberate about. But um, I, I mean, take the chance, move forward with with opportunities like this. And and I think what you'll find on both sides, on on the parent company and the startup company, is that it can be a really rewarding, uh, mutually beneficial, and and like really impactful. Um, kind of relationship and process. And it's one that I think, you know, is is proven to be really, really good, both for Alpha, Alpha Broder and the folks on the Thredzy team. And, you know, we're excited about uh, what looks like a very bright future um, for both sides of that equation. So again, John, really appreciative of uh, you having us on and great to talk about it. And yeah, Thredzy.com, check it out.
0: Wonderful. Thank you both so much. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Catherine and Dan can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen, organizations stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives thought leaders and scholars from across the globe the future leader will help you explore the ordinary everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work to respond to an uncertain future and to produce extraordinary results for individuals teams and organizations